You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. to the Sagas and Sass 2022 holiday special brought to you by Geek Saga Entertainment. I'm Tara, along with fellow host Jonathan and special guests Becca and Seth, who is our, you know, practically permanent co-host anyway. This year's holiday special is all about Elf, you know, the sort of new but definitely classic now Christmas movie about a human named Buddy who is raised at the North Pole and thinks he's an elf until he is disabused of this notion and goes off in search of his biological father who happens to be on Santa's naughty list. Dun, dun, dun. If you're watching live, join us in the chat, or after the fact, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Sagas and Sass, or email us at sagasandsass at gmail.com to continue the conversation. Additionally, please note that all the views expressed on the show are those of the host as individuals and do not necessarily represent the show as a whole. And in case you haven't checked out our Patreon, it offers tons of ways to support us and receive some great perks in return. You can find it at patreon.com slash geeksaga underscore entertainment. So, obviously we've all seen Elf, and I'm pretty sure we all love it, or we wouldn't be here to talk about it. Actually, funny enough, Becca and I, now obviously I'd seen this movie quite a few times before this, but back in like 2015, about a year or so after Becca and I became friends, we started a tradition of getting together on December 23rd, aka Christmas Eve Eve or Festivus, to wrap our presents for our family and friends and watch Elf together. Usually also involved drinking and whatnot, but now we are across the country from each other, so I just had to make sure that Becca of all people, was part of the Elf webcast. Real quick, Becca, uh, where can people find you on social media? Obviously, we do other webcasts together, the Bitching Dead with the Geeky Ari, but socials you want to share at all? Yes, you can find me at Starshine on Fire on Twitter and also Starshine on Fire on Instagram. I don't really use Twitter or Instagram very much. I do have a K-pop Twitter, but for everybody's sake, I'm not going to share that here. I am most active on that. <laughs> I actually was in Los Angeles this past week and was in Las Vegas and in Los Angeles. And there actually was a K-pop boy group that was on the streets of L.A. doing interviews with random people. And I saw them and met them. And that was pretty fun and pretty cool. And so I posted about that. But y'all don't really care about uh, <laughs> about all that. Oh, my hey, God. Someone, so, someone who listens or watches listens to. No, they definitely do. Like I got thousands and thousands and thousands of views. 60, 65,000, 69,000 oh, wow. views on awesome. this tweet, on these tweets. Yeah, lots of retweets and stuff. Though that was pretty, that was pretty cool and pretty fun. And um, they're cute kids. They just debuted. And anyway, don't look for me on the K-pop side of things because I get real weird. Like all of my friends who are super into K-pop get a little bit weird, so it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> we're all weird about something. Let's be real. My brain, I just want to offer this, that when Becca said, y'all don't really care about K-pop, my brain set that to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. So that's just, y'all don't really care, care for really K-pop, do, do you? And just, okay, thanks, Brad. And to date myself, whenever I think of K-pop, I actually think of, I wondered if is that how the Japanese viewed the Runaways back in the 70s. 
you know, the American pop. USA pop. <laughs> oh, K-pop wasn't didn't wasn't created until the nineties, but No, no, I know, but you know, the band The Runaways, which was a bunch of teenage girls who were yeah. a much bigger oh. hit in Japan than yeah. they were here. Though oh. Joan Jett was one of the members of them. So were the Beatles like B pop? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> music. We've gone so off track here. We haven't even started talking about it. Well, real quick, Seth, even though you're our practically permanent guest host, where can people find you on social media? Oh, gosh. I recently uh, left Twitter for reasons that are probably obvious. You could find the pretty much moribund pages for Flailing Through First, How I Spent My Allowance, and Arrow Chaptered Verse on Facebook if you are really curious about it. All right. So to start off our elf discussion, I wanted to ask you guys what you think makes this a new Christmas classic, which is sort of how it is. I don't know if that was how it was billed when it first came out back in 2002, 2003, 2003. Oh my gosh. I was saying 2002, 2004. Well, 2003, right in the middle. Good job, me. So who are decades older than me and everybody I know I don't think I've ever heard somebody really talk shit about this movie but <laughs> the thing that I believe makes it a kind of new Christmas classic is the fact that it pulls elements from older classics like the stop motion animation in the beginning of Elf and of course like the cameo of the kid from a Christmas story who's well the adult from a Christmas story now and it also keeps that sort of magical feeling from those movies we watched when we were younger while also having maybe probably definitely a better message than some of those older movies that it references. But I wanted to hear what you guys think makes it kind of a new Christmas classic, whether it be like in general or for you specifically. I think that the quotability and the meme, the memeness of it, I think that that's really what makes it because like Will Ferrell is known for his extremely off-color movies, Talladega Nights, Anchorman, Step Brothers, stuff like that. And but then he's also done some more family-friendly films like Kicking and Screaming. I love Elf. Kicking and Screaming. That's a, it's a very good movie. I'm not a huge Will Ferrell fan, I will admit. However, I love him in Elf and it's just one of those movies that's like I have I haven't actually watched it yet this season, so I'm gonna have to watch it tomorrow. I know, I know, but I did. To be fair, I did watch those bad movies with you, whenever I was there. We watched bad Netflix Christmas movies, but I think definitely the quotability of it, and there is a lot of star-studded cast. There's Zoe Deschanel before she really became like the manic pixie dream girl, but it's it's really the quotability of the movie for me, like. I'm Buddy the Elf. What's your favorite color? And I love smiling. Smiling's my favorite. And it's just like this. Will Ferrell is just, he's so stupid. But he plays this this innocent man so well. And it's just like, and you can't really hate the movie. Like, there's some dumb moments. But it just, it has this magical Christmas innocence to it. And I think that that's really what draws me to it personally. And yeah, I think I that it's what draws a lot of other people the humor of it and also adults can like it because there's definitely some adult humor in it but then of course kids can enjoy it too and i think that that's really what makes it a christmas classic well for some people of a older generation anything with bob newhart in it is to me a classic because he mm. is one of my three favorite comedians of all time every time i see anything with bob newhart i laugh hysterically so that's a hit 
And also seeing Ed Asner is from Lou Grant and Mary Tyler Moore when I hadn't really thought about it in a long time. That was interesting. But as far as the classics, I, I sort of think of anything, what becomes a classic, when it becomes a classic, it has to have repeatability. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elf has, has now lasted, you know, almost 20 years of pretty consistent viewing by a number of people I know, though less by me. As far as what it, what makes it modern versus older to me is when I discovered it. Did I discover it in adulthood? It's modern. If I discovered it as a youth, it's classic. You know, that's how I sort of view it. So it's what did you see in your youth? That to me is old classic. What you've picked up in adulthood is new classic. Depending on your age, certain things can will be very different for other people. So that, that's how I view it. New classic versus old classic. I hadn't seen Elf until last year. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. right. yeah. really? It was, it was on a list of uh, movies that Allison couldn't believe I hadn't seen yet. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to believe it either, even though it is a Christmas movie and it definitely, like Becca said, it's family friendly. It's hilarious. And I don't know. All I know is that when it came out, Christmas movies are generally a hard sell for me. Although, I mean, obviously, if we're going to talk about classics like, you know, The Grinch, you still. Okay. All right. Look, there are. Yes, I have classic Christmas movies, too. So I just missed this one, but it's a very funny movie for those of us of a certain age. It actually had a similar tone, a tone similar to Big. Yes, very much so. Which, if you don't know, that's one where a kid goes and wishes to be big, and then he's played mm-hmm. by Tom Hanks for most of the rest of the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's the same very innocent person in an adult-sized body goes to New York City and tries to, I mean, in this case, find his father, but also sort of find himself. But yeah, it's it's tremendously entertaining. I will say this, having this is not probably fair because I am saying this through the lens of Having watched all or most of New Girl before I saw Elf, I was like, oh, they just, uh, Zoe Deschanel, just the Manic Pixie Dream Girl roles. She just gets mm-hmm. spun off into him. I don't know. She has that look, mm-hmm. I guess. This, but... Particularly when she has the dark hair and the heavy bangs. It's something about mm-hmm. that and the really, like, the pretty blue eyes and the husky voice, I think. All right. So moving on from why we think it's a new Christmas classic. I just want to get a little bit into the things that happen throughout the movie. At the end of this, we'll discuss our favorite scenes, our favorite quotes, whatever. But for now, the burning question in my mind, burning question number one, how and why do Santa and the elves, well, I guess it's specifically the elves, just know that Buddy definitely came from the orphanage and isn't possibly somebody's child. He goes to all sorts of houses, and then he gets back to the North Pole and sets his bag on the floor and out crawls Buddy, and the elf is like, oh, you must have picked up a stowaway at the orphanage. I mean, that's not the exact line, but they just know that Buddy's from the orphanage. And I don't think I ever noticed before, but I was like, wait a minute, how did they know that? He's uh, The magic. Because he's not the first stowaway from the orphanage. Got that new orphan smell on him. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're happy with your parents, you won't try to escape into Santa's uh, bag. <laughs> Have you ever met a baby, Jonathan? They're very curious creatures. I mean, I know you have. You have a child. But <laughs> I've seen them on TV and cartoons, and that would lead me to believe the same thing. Really, like, I don't think there's any 
there's no answer to this question other than possibly just the elves are magic. Or the other thing I was wondering is maybe they were just assuming because it's the last place he visited and mm. he probably would have noticed there was a baby like banging around in his bag when he was taking presents out for other places. But a baby banging around in his bag. <laughs> Listen. Well, you know, you need the you need the banging bag, uh, banging bag for the babies. That's yeah. You, you need one. Ooh, it's got to be extra padded. Now that I've said it, I rolling yeah, around okay. in there without getting hurt is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a mythical bag of holding that he has. So mm. it, it's so big that it's easy that the baby could have gotten lost in there with all the millions of presents that are in that bag. I wish I could ask John Favreau. <laughs> Next up. The line, there's room for everyone on the nice list. Now listen, it's a Christmas movie. And the whole point is that Buddy's dad, his real dad, (laughs) has been kind of a jerk for a while. And he's on the naughty list. And Buddy wants to get him on the nice list. Listen, I get that this is the movie's plot. But I beg to differ with this line. (laughs) Because I don't think there's room for everyone on the nice list. The What is it? The Central Park Rangers or whatever that come into play way later. They're clearly still not on the nice list. But they could be if they just evolve a bit. Yeah. If they find the spirit of Christmas, it's in everybody. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. You know, interestingly, I just saw another Will Ferrell Christmas movie. This one's probably not going to be a classic. We just watched Spirited. Spirited. Yes. I mean, it had bits that were good, but it's, it's the latest take on Christmas Carol. I think, honestly, what all of them needed was just, uh, you know, one of those hauntings. They just needed the three ghosts to show up and show what's what. And that would have put them on the nice list. Eurovision Song Contest could also be considered a Christmas movie because it has elves. Uh, yes. Um... <laughs> Here's the thing, like, there's so many movies that could be argued as being Christmas movies. Harry Potter movies are, I guess, considered Christmas movies because Christmas happens briefly in all of them. Or Die Hard. Them. Die Hard, absolutely a Christmas movie. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And just, how about Hawkeye for TV The series? show, yeah, definitely a yeah. Christmas show, for sure. I just remembered uh, what my standard for is a movie, a classic Christmas movie, and that mm. is how many times did it show up on TBS when I was a child in the 90s? So by that metric, only A Christmas Story and uh, It's a Wonderful Life are classic Christmas movies. Just those two. What? Not all the stop. Wasn't Die Hard on TBS like every week? Yes. Die Hard might have been on TBS every week. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Actually, I ran into somebody uh, online who had never seen It's a Wonderful Life and I desiccated into an old vampire corpse and dug my grave. It was great. (laughs) I've been forced to watch It's a Wonderful Life for many years. It's Be- sad. Becca, Becca, what's wrong? There's nothing wrong with that movie. All right, there, Jimmy Stewart. Calm down. <laughs> Obviously, I rewatched the movie in preparation for this webcast, and also because I do it every year around this time. But I did some research into tidbits, like trivia about it and stuff. And I think that this is really sweet and important to note. In early drafts of the script. Buddy's decision to seek out his dad was actually more because he was being hassled by the elves for being different. And Favreau pushed the writers to remove this, right? Or writer. I, I don't know if there was just Baron or if there was more than one person in the writer's room, but Favreau pushed them to take out this whole plot because he wanted the North Pole characters to be nice and warm Mm -hmm. and kind even when buddy was like annoying them 
there's a quote from the DVD commentary where Favreau says that them being nice to him, even though he's annoying them and causing problems for them, it explains why Buddy is doing all these good things in New York because he grew up in a world where everybody was so sweet, even when he's obviously screwing up everything and doesn't fit in at all. That's just part of why I really love this movie is that there's elements of what could have been a bullying storyline, cough, cough, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They made it about, yeah, no, he doesn't fit in because he he like literally wasn't born with the inherent skills that elves need to have to do these things, but they're never mean to him even when the two elves have that like side conversation about buddy they're like frustrated but they are like how can we maybe we can make this work this way you know they're not talking crap and that's something i've just really really always loved about this movie i pictured them as still being mean to him they sent him off to work alone in that room by himself i mean i thought that was pretty mean i don't think they were trying to be mean they were trying to put him somewhere where he would still feel useful Like, if they wanted to be mean, they would have been like, go away, and we don't want you working here at all, right? Like, I I thought exiling him to work in a room by himself was pretty mean. That's how I viewed it. They were trying to out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, out of the way, right? Well, right, but it's like, have you ever worked with somebody who was just like, they were a perfectly nice person, but they just didn't get it? Yes. Like, but you don't, like... It's nothing they're doing is like a fireable offense and and they need the job and whatever. So like, they're they're not a bad employee. They're trying really hard. Like, so you find the things that they can do and do your best to not get frustrated as long as they are trying. Absolutely agree. But I don't usually do that by sentencing them to work by themselves in a room. Well, I don't think that's the problem though. I think the only job (laughs) they felt he could do just happened to be that job, right? Like... Although, funny enough, that that's another piece of trivia I learned is that Will Ferrell, that was actual, like, method acting. He never knew when those Jack in the, Jack box. in the, box. Jack in the Boxes. Yeah, he never knew when they were going to pop. So he was actually surprised. That was, like, an actual knee-jerk reaction to them. Although the broken one, I'm like, mm, really? With the one that he turned and turned and turned the handle and nothing happened, and then he started writing it down and it popped up anyway. I'm like, that had to have been planned, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe not. But anyway, even when people can be really mean in this movie, and it comes into play later, right? Like his dad is being kind of a jerk. And honestly, the dad's wife, Buddy's quote unquote stepmom, has every right to be pissed off about this situation. But she is so freaking like open and kind about it and even Mm -hmm. eats his maple syrup spaghetti in general. At times when people could have been written as being like rude or mean or not liking what was happening and and taking it out on Buddy, they just, they really don't. Which is good because it makes this a happy Christmas movie that could have otherwise been, I do not like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I think that whole movie We watched it last night and I was like, apparently that's for reindeer games. I don't know. I like you. I love it. Cornelius. (laughs) Oh, Yukon Cornelius is great. But, like, you think about, like, the island of misfit toys where all the toys that aren't quite right are tossed out. And, like, how nasty everyone is to Rudolph, including his own father. Like, Right? His dad was like, let me put some dirt on your nose. And then at the end, like, Santa's only like, cool, you're awesome. Let's go. Let's be buds. Like, I, you can work for me now. It's like, it's totally like, oh, now you're useful to me. So I'm going to be nice to you and pay attention. (laughs) I I really don't care for it. His his dad does seem like he might send Rudolph to a 
camp for shiny nosed reindeer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Wayward Rudolph. Yeah, exactly. Wayward. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It just occurred to me while we were talking about this, uh, and I'm going to go into left field. I'm going to make it short that there's a parallel to be drawn between Buddy and Carrot Iron Founderson from uh, the Discworld books. Uh, Carrot is a human who, who is raised by dwarves. So this is like a complete side note, but from now on, when I can't be bothered by people, I'm just going to say, not now, Arctic Puffin. I never really like wrapped my mind around that line because it like happened so fast and Buddy's upset about other things. But when I was watching it the other day, I was like, oh my God, that's funny. I don't remember what the Puffin is trying to say or tell him. And he's just like, not now, Arctic Puffin. So if anybody listens to this or watches it later or is watching it now or the three of you that are on here, if I start saying that at Ice and Fire Con next year or elsewhere in my life, you know where it came from. (laughs) Here's another question, though. Why are the Puffin the, I don't know if it's a mini walrus or a baby, I'm not sure what's going on with the size stuff here, but why are the Puffin, the walrus, and the little polar bear afraid of the narwhal? when it pops up out of the ocean. Cause like they like freak out and run away. This isn't just, Oh, surprise. Like, Oh no, I'm surprised that it popped out of the water. They're like, Oh my God. Oh, and they run away. Narwhals eat like fish and shrimp. That's it. It doesn't matter. They... It has a giant horn on its head. They're the unicorns of the sea, Becca. Yeah. You know, we all remember sea. that children's classic, the last narwhal. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they, they are poking holes in the stuff that, all three of those species walk on, you know, like I thought this was solidized. Eh, narwhal hole. I don't know. There's somebody walking around with a giant sword swinging it. Wouldn't you be a little uncomfortable? They came towards you swimming towards you uh, very fast. It just pops out of the water. And it, and by the way, that's John Favreau's voice. Bye, mm. buddy. It's good luck in New York City or whatever he says. Like, good luck finding your dad. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I was just like, why are they so afraid? Why are they running away? narwhals are they're not mean i don't know i mean maybe they're mean i I actually don't know but they definitely don't eat bears walrus and puffins i said there's a a sword on its head maybe there's a story there's that there's a backstory somebody write that fanfic about why they're afraid of the narwhal oh it could be a just narwhal killed my family that's actually a question is there elf fanfic Oh, probably. Do I, ever, do I ever want to read? I'm looking it up right now. No, oh God. Be- Becca, there are things man-, man was not meant to know. Well, there are things that Becca wants to know. Oh, boy. <laughs> now <laughs> I want to know the is answer. Is them. there authentic? Read While we're waiting for Becca to look it up, I cannot be the only one in the room here who literally can't watch Buddy eat the gum off of the subway railing. Right? Oh, I love it. It's so funny. It's gross. I, like, but, I like... know it's fake. I know it's fake. Right? I know. I know that Will Ferrell wasn't actually eating other people's gum off of a real in life subway Wait, railing. But are you sure you said you said he was a method actor earlier? So no, I said that watch... about the Jack in the Boxes. Yeah, now but... he did. He did eat other things later in the movie, but I can't imagine that anyone, anyone except for maybe I... like Jared Leto, because he's a trash human being, would actually. I found do that. it. Oh my god, there is oh, elf no. fanfic. Do you want me to tell you what the name of it is? Is there just it's... one? Hold there on. is many elf fanfic. <laughs> there's gotta be an entire subreddit, right? No, there are several. There are several, yes. But this is the one. The first one I found is rated E for explicit. It's called Betty the Elf is a cock slut. <laughs> I'm sorry, what is it called? <laughs> Betty the Elf is a cock slut. I feel like we should have warned at the top of this that this is not a family friendly Episode. I'm gonna send well, it in the chat so you guys no. can read it if you want to. 
No, I, I think I can see the way this is going. Somebody's going to make a pun about stockings and then about stocking <sighs> stuffers. And then it's Why? Zayn Malik is in it and Harry Potter is also tagged. Harry Potter's in everything. <laughs> it's a crossover. It's a crossover <laughs> you. There are 17 works in Buddy Hobbs. Well, if there's one about the narwhal, that's I'll the find one I it really and want. send it to you. Another burning question is where the heck did Buddy get the money to buy the lingerie for his dad? See, this is the question I asked you because I yes. was like, where did it come from? I want to know. He's just gotten to New York, has just met his dad, unless his dad handed him money off screen somewhere. Wait, come on. Santa gave him some walking around cash, right? Yeah, definitely. He's got to have some kind of money. I'm sure. He, look, he's a saint. He's got to get a cut from the Catholic Church. Remember, he goes to get the world's best cup of coffee and he drinks the coffee, but he doesn't have any money. So he surely would have had to have paid for it. So he has to have some kind of money. Or are we just expecting that he creates money with his... I don't know. Maybe there is an answer out there, but in brief Google searches, I could not find it. Deleted so. A deleted scene, perhaps, yeah. where Buddy the Elf gets money from Santa. Fanfic, oh my fanfic. gosh, like the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special when Drax and Mantis are on Hollywood Boulevard and people are t asking to take pictures with them and tipping them in cash. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe Buddy was walking around New York City and people were like, oh, look at this guy in this awesome elf costume. That's the story I'm going with. Yeah, we're going to go with that story. Yeah, they just cut that scene. They cut that scene from the end result. So mm -hmm. also, if you haven't seen the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, super cute. Definitely a, a must watch. Here's another thing that bugged me. I Again, and this is like, I've watched this so many times, but when I watch it, I'm normally just watching it for funsies or have it on in the background around the holidays. But Buddy can't keep up with building Etch-A-Sketches at the beginning, but he can make dozens of snowballs in seconds. I was more So he has the he dexterity and the quickness, right? I was more impressed that he could throw all those snowballs so quickly, actually, than make them. <laughs> that too, that too. He's like a cannon. I actually thought he made them through magic, that he had some sort of magical... Because of his growing up as an elf, he learned some spells, and one of them is to make snowballs. That's how I just thought of it in my mind. Yeah, yeah. you used to be able to just play an elf and get spells. Anyway, uh, that's... Exactly. That's tr exactly true. Yes, yes. I don't know. I mean, like, making a snowball is... is a lot easier than trying to put together an Etch-A-Sketch, etch right? <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> oh, for sure. But even those, like, they were short. They pour the sand in. They got a little funnel. They pour the sand in. It, it's like snaps together or whatever. It's not super hard to build. Yes, making snowballs is easier. But it's more about how quickly he makes the snowballs and also how quickly he throws them, for that matter. Like, he has the dexterity. He has the speed for these things. I agree. That wouldn't entirely transfer to making Etch-A-Sketches. But he should have been able to make more than he had for the Etch-A-Sketches, I mean, if he's that fast with snowballs. Like, he wouldn't be elf fast, but he would have been faster than he was, I think. Listen, I'm not trying to pick this movie apart. I still love everything about it. I'm really just trying to, I want amusing answers as to why these things are possible. <laughs> well, I, I mean, are we going by, like, uh, Roger Rabbit rules? Only when it's funnier? Yeah, I guess maybe that could work. I mean, it's listen. It's a it's a silly, family friendly Christmas movie. I am not expecting serious answers for this. I mean, hey, like Buddy was taking pictures with people in his elf costume and getting tips. That's how he bought the laundry. There we go. Right. I want to know why the snowball making has like almost zero translation into making etch a schedules. 
buddies' so. fingers work better when they're frozen. Oh, no, God. that doesn't. I, okay. But really, snowballs is just scoop, 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 scoop. He's just very fast at it. Whatever. Good for him. He gets the award for best snowball fight companion, I suppose. It lets him bond with his little brother. It's a super cute scene. His little brother's being bullied, and he helps his little brother by aiding him in a snowball fight. Anyway, so I kind of mentioned a couple of these things, obviously, already, but there's a bunch of cameos in this movie. Peter Billingsley, who is Ralphie from A Christmas Story, is one of the elves. Also, I don't like A Christmas Story at all. I've watched it once, and I despised it so much I have refused to ever watch it again. I've never seen it all the way through. I have seen it too many times. I honestly, at this point, can't even remember why I didn't like it because it's been so long. I just remember being like, ugh, I don't want this at all. Get this out of my life. Like, I finished watching it and I was like, I never again. I'm trying to remember if I've ever seen it. The guy, Peter Billingsley, he's he's cute as the elf in this movie. I guess him and John Favreau are like friends. There's other things that he's done with Favreau. So that's fun. And then, of course, then John Favreau himself is the doctor. But as I mentioned earlier, he also voices the narwhal. And also, he apparently voices the rabid raccoon. I figured they just pulled noises from, like, the internet or something from that. But no, it's John Favreau <laughs> screeching like a rabid raccoon. Also, you know the giant burp? That Buddy yeah. does after he drinks like the whole bottle. Yeah. Oh. I thought that was fake. Right? Every time it happens, I want to throw up. That's my throw up moment. That begs the question, Jonathan or Seth, do you guys have moments in this movie where you're just like, hmm? I can't deal with this? Um, no. 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 I didn't find any of them cringeworthy that, where I feel uncomfortable. Does it bother you knowing that Will Ferrell did actually put maple syrup on spaghetti and actually had to eat it? Was there red sauce on it too? Yeah, if all it is is pasta and maple syrup, I could see that would be yeah, actually pretty pasta tasty. Pasta is a very neutral flavor. I'll eat anything, so I would probably try it. I feel like if, to if, me, if it's, it's a texture thing that I'm thinking but of. Even if it is red like sauce food. on it, because you know, a lot of people put sugar in tomato sauce to Oh yeah, to, I put I put take sugar the in acidity out. Sauce. So yep. I'm not I'm not so sure that would definitely be bad. It all depends on how much maple syrup, right? <laughs> well, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so that giant burp that to be honest for the longest time i thought again like the rabid raccoon was just like they pulled a bunch of sounds from the internet or whatever and like spliced things together was actually a real burp voiced by maurice lamarche who is the voice of pinky from pinky and the brain among other things which i love pinky and the brain so when i read that i was like "Ooh, i'm putting this in our talk <laughs> I want to go back and talk about some other plot points, but one last thing I wanted to note is I do love at the end when I think it's the the little brother, Buddy's little brother, half brother, whatever, is like, well, just show yourself on TV. He's like, the paparazzi have been trying to nail me for years. And I don't know why, but that line always makes me just chuckle. It's a good line. Not my favorite line, but it's a good line. So major plot points, I guess. Romance between Buddy and Jovi. Weird or not weird? I definitely see the attraction that Buddy would have. Yeah. Um, for her, I think he's way too much of a project. So I, I don't quite get her interest. <laughs> because what young woman does not want to date a an ignorant man-child? <laughs> and yet, straight women, that's what you're left with. We're very sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit weird to me. I, I will say this, like, at the very least, it's 
like it it's almost like it's like a it's like a big sister little brother thing and it's only like when he takes her on the date and then she for real kisses him that i'm like oh no too much like this should have taken a lot longer irl uh, yeah, well, only have like all. three days before Christmas, so it can't be. It can't go on for that long. Well, yeah, there, there is a time limit here. Like in all Christmas movies, let's be real. But at the same time, as much as it weirds me out because he's so has that like childlike mindset and everything, at the same time, it doesn't bother me as much as like the Hallmark Christmas movies where people fall in love in like three days. So. Oh Some, somehow 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 it does not bother yeah me. it's it's weird that they're almost entirely white and heteronormative there's always flannel yeah mm-hmm. no it, I, it's not it's not weird that the movies are made that way but it's weird how the couples in the movies are always that way. now i will say that other other streamers and whatnot have been making strides into making that less of a monolith so look all right look romance in movies is always like you meet, you fall in love immediately. Yeah, only when Harry met Sally got it right. Yeah. Where it took time. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily take like that much time. Not, but... No, not that much time, but it's, you know, all the other stuff is very quick. And that well, I mean, really... holiday movies, especially. I, I guess, like, I don't know why this weirds me out less than the immediate relationships in like the Hallmark and even Netflix Christmas movies, et cetera. But yeah, <laughs> the romance in this one, well, but we're. But well, also get... sweet, I guess. I don't know. Like it also It's weird because he's essentially a twelve year old. Yeah. He didn't he's so immature a romance <laughs> element to it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It could have been just Buddy friend. the Elf finds his best friend. That part of it, the movie didn't work for me. So Buddy and his dad. His dad's a real fun piece of work. A mafioso. It's been a while <laughs> since he did those movies. <laughs> He did break character once in the movie, by the way. They chose him for the role because they wanted someone super serious who would be able to play against everything else that was happening. And the only time he actually broke character, and he said it was very hard not to, was in the scene at the doctor when Buddy gets his his finger pricked for for the (laughs) blood draw. You see in the scene, he turns away from the camera because he's like... I love it when he's stuffing cotton balls in his mouth. His father was a complete workaholic. Asshole. Well, you can be a workaholic and also not be a total asshole. No, I know, but he was both a workaholic and an asshole. He was obsessed with his career and making money. Ironically, his career in children's books, that was a little bit of a weird... He doesn't seem like the children book editor to me. No. It doesn't seem like a great match for his skill set. Well, he was an editor, and probably, honestly, what I would guess is that it turned it into, like, there's a lot of money in children's books, and they're also very easy to edit. Way easier than well, yeah, there's... a full-on, like, novel. So... And obviously, this guy is kind of a hack, because he's like, oh, there's pages missing from this entire print run? Just just release it anyway. Okay, they dude. They won't <laughs> notice. Good job. <laughs> Good job, dude, who knows kids so well. And here's the thing, like, yes, of course, he didn't he didn't know Buddy, but he has another kid. I feel bad for his wife. Yeah, but the other kid the other kid has said to Buddy that he's never there. He's a terrible father. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why do you care about this guy? He's a terrible father. It's a good thing that the the mother is a freaking saint, which I know we I kind of mentioned that earlier, but yeah, she why is. is she married to this guy? Seriously. Why did she stay married? Like, girl, girl. 
because she she's a career person too. She she had we don't I don't think we ever find out what she does, but she like has her own job and everything. Girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? You could do so much better than this. You are a, a literal saint. You ate buddies candy spaghetti you didn't have to do that you could have been like oh i'm not hungry but thank you so much but you you just ate it and then the whole time she's like oh honey like i i like listen yes he's he's weird this is weird but like he's your son like we've got to make him feel at home honestly this woman literal saint whoever wrote her character loves their mother that's all i'm gonna say either that or they wrote her to, to replace a terrible mother and this is like the saint mother they wanted to have but i prefer to believe that they wrote her because they love their mother I mean, literally, does anybody have a bad thing to say about her from the entire movie? <laughs> Maybe that she doesn't stand up for herself enough? No, she, she does stand up for herself, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. She kind of tells him, her husband, basically, your shit straight. Yeah, she does. She's that. just really nice about it. She does stand up for herself, but she's so nice about it that you don't even notice she's doing it. Like, I wish mm-hmm. I could be that person. <laughs> Favorite scene, who wants to go first? I'll go first, and it's the most politically incorrect, but it's the one with Peter Dinklage as the the other elf. (laughs) I cracked up so much, and it's totally inappropriate for me to crack up at that, but I do. Um, I mean, (laughs) yes, it's technically politically incorrect, but I think because Buddy... It's like if you have, like, a child... Like, you bring your, like, four-year-old to the supermarket, and they don't know, right? And they see a person of small stature, and they say something rude. That's how Buddy is in that moment. It's politically incorrect, but yet at the same time, it's also just like, this is real life, in a way. And the first two times, that was fine. And then when the guy clearly said he does not like me, (laughs) Buddy ignored I don't think Buddy can understand when people are angry, honestly. Oh, he also definitely did not understand. He's like, call me Elf one more time. And I think Buddy was like, I don't think he understood the turn of that phrase. Honestly. No, he absolutely did not. He does not understand sarcasm at all. He does not understand yeah. anything like that. Like, he was like, oh, okay, you want me to call you Elf one more time? Okay, that's what I'll do. He's an yeah. angry Elf. He's, he's, You're an angry that, Elf. That was the best line of the whole movie. He's a very angry Elf. <laughs> other favorite scenes i mean that was actually the Um, one i was gonna go for but yeah what are your thoughts on that scene i just like seeing enraged peter dinklage fight will ferrell that's all Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's all about you becca favorite scene i think it's probably whenever he's making all that ridiculous food i love that scene but i i don't really have like a favorite scene like i love it all but my one of my favorite lines is I'm sorry I ruined your lives and crammed 11 cookies in the VCR. That's my favorite line in like the whole movie. And also whenever he presses all the buttons on the elevator. Because mm. every time I get into an elevator with other people, I have to stop myself from pressing all the buttons on the elevator. And the way he does it, he just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just gets so excited. But I, I really do like it whenever he's cooking the food and he's like... He gives her the, whenever he's getting them ready to go to work, and he gives her the bag of spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, like, that's not the worst way to transport spaghetti, I guess. If you're careful about it. Mm -hmm. You know, pour it onto a plate and heat it up in a microwave at work. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not that, it's not difficult. You can shake it up and get it all mixed together, and yeah. My favorite is... His confrontation with the fake Santa. You sit on the throne of flies. Yeah. Like, it's, oh. but it's such as that. It's like, 
You smell like beef and cheese. <laughs> you smell like beef and cheese. And I'm imagining this guy smelling like, you know those packages you can get at gas stations where it's like a Slim Jim and a, sta- and a stick of cheese? Yeah. <laughs> like, I imagine him smelling like when you open one of those. Also, yes, the you sit on a throne of lions thing. I'm just, it's never, it's never going to, I'm never going to get over it. My other favorite scene is whenever he's decorating gimbals. No. I love watching that whenever he's decorating and he's, I love seeing the after. Yeah. The after of it. It's really cool. And the manager gets like so mad because he thinks like somebody <laughs> snuck in. Like they, they said, corporate, they hired corporate. Yeah. <laughs> This is another thing I learned that makes me love the Santa confrontation even more is that they had to do that scene in just one take because the Lego set that he destroys at the end, it took them two weeks to build. Oh. So they were like, do what you got to do and you better nail it because you get one take. That was kind of fun to learn that in my research. But yes, the you sit on a throne of lies. You smell like beef and cheese. I don't know. There's just something about like I've mall Santas have always weirded me out. Honestly, like this is your job. What are you doing? This is mm-hmm. but like I love it so much. So Becca, since you've already said some favorite lines, why don't you go first with your favorite line? No, I think it's the I'm sorry I ruined your lives and crammed eleven cookies in the VCR. I think that's my number one favorite line. <laughs> and then of course the buddy the elf. What's your favorite color? when he answers the phone so uh, seth what about you favorite line see that's the problem is i I don't know that i have any favorite line all right okay it's the i i think the oh my god santa here i know him i'm gonna go with the very basic so good news i saw a dog today have you seen a dog you probably have (laughs) because that is my life i am always happy when i see a dog we were in Vegas last weekend. And listen, like the, a lot of the hotels in Vegas are dog friendly, which is weird to me, especially because like casino and dogs and elevators and whatever. But so many dogs. And then somebody brought a dog to the bar we were in on Saturday night. Like this, this big dog who like very clearly didn't want to be there. And I, in my birthday dress, sat on the floor and just petted this dog for like 20 minutes because this poor dog like clearly didn't want to be there. And the owner was just, not gonna get into that but this poor dog did not want to be there she had her tail tucked between her legs and her name was ellie may and my dog's name is ellie jane so i felt like i had an affinity and yeah so yeah so good news i saw a dog today have you seen a dog you probably have (laughs) favorite one i I can i can relate to that allison and i usually point out dogs to each other all the time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when we're driving or just walking what about you jonathan favorite line going back to the other one he's a very angry elf (laughs) (laughs) yeah must be a south pole elf (laughs) i love the gimbal's manager whenever they're arguing back and forth too and he says this is the north pole and vice says no it's not and gimbal's manager says yes it is and vice says no it's not yes it is no it's not where's the snow i also like the one and i'm paraphrasing where santa was telling him about if you see a peep show it's 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 not not what you think (laughs) it's not what you think yeah Oh, I'm here with my dad. We've never met. He wants me to sing him a song. And um, I was adopted. You don't know I was born. (laughs) Actually, that brings up a real quick question before we get into the last bit here. The conversation that the dad's assistant is having on the phone when Buddy walks in, she's talking about like declawing a bunch of cats. Why is somebody asking her to declaw a bunch of cats? What is that about? 
It's New York. We don't ask questions. You do what you're told. You do what Spinelli tells you to do. You need to call the cats. Even though yeah. that's a horrible, horrible thing to do to cats. Yeah, it is a horrible thing to do to cats. And most veterinarians won't do it anymore and haven't been doing it for like 20 years or so. But it was just a weird like, what the, what? Why is she? Okay. And for the rest of the movie, she's like completely normal. They probably were like, think of the most insane thing you can possibly think of and then <laughs> talk about it. And she was like, declawing cats. Yeah, because she's a comedian, too. So, yeah. well, and, and it's uh, Amy Sedaris. There we go. Yes. Uh, yeah. Who was uh, who had a show on Comedy Central in the 90s that if you've ever seen it, it's real, real weird. It's a funny bit, but it's like, what? Yeah. Like, what? It's a, it's a weird aside. I mean, I just love this movie. I think it's happy and fun and funny and... It always makes me feel good when I watch it. It does. It's good, fuzzy, warm feelings, right? That leads us directly into our last question of the night, which is suggest another Christmas or holiday movie you think everyone should watch. Bonus points if it's a movie that came out recently. Extra bonus points if it came out this year. When I say recently, let's say within the last like three years. But extra bonus points if it came out this year. It can be bad. It doesn't have to be a good holiday movie or Christmas movie. Does it have to be a movie or can it be a TV, TV special? I suppose it can be a special, a TV special. I mean, it's it's a few years old, but I love the Ice Age Christmas special. I, yeah, you've been you've been bugging us about that for a while now. <laughs> Eventually, maybe that made be- me so happy when I saw that the first time. Next year, next year, that'll be our holiday special. I promise you that. So make a note of this because I will forget. <laughs> More recent ones, I really haven't seen any. I, I mean, other than... The Guardians of the Galaxy, which I thought was terrific, which I also would recommend. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't seen any real modern Christmas specials. I usually will rewatch Rudolph if I catch it, and I like to watch Charlie Brown when I catch it, or I watch it. I think it's on Apple these days for Charlie Brown. But Frosty the Snowman was, you know, far. I was partial to that also. So. What about you, Becca? Suggestions. At our house, we have like movies that we always watch every single year. And unfortunately, this year we haven't gotten a chance to watch them, but we always watch Christmas with the Cranks with Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis. And Mm. we always watch Jingle All the Way, but because it's so quotable and it always makes my dad laugh. And my dad is a really serious person and he doesn't laugh very often. But when he does laugh, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And so all you have to do is look at him and say, ta-ta, turtle man. And he just bursts into giggles. So we always watch those. And I've been wanting to watch Krampus, but I haven't watched Krampus. There's another movie called Black Christmas that's supposed to be like a black comedy Christmas movie. Office Christmas Party is pretty funny. And I always watch Nightmare Before Christmas on Christmas Mm. Eve. And I always watch it on Halloween as well. But yeah, so there's nothing new this year. I started watching the new Grinch movie last night, but my dad was complaining the whole time, so... Is there a new, new Grinch movie, or is that the one that was a few years ago? The one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Illumination oh, did it. The studio that did um, Pickable Me. It's like one. a cartoon Grinch movie. It huh. was, seemed really cute from what I was watching, but my dad was like, I can see how this flopped. And I was like, okay. So for me, I'm going to go like with the most recent one. Definitely watch Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special if you haven't yet. But honestly, I will say like definitely only watch it if you seen both guardians of the galaxy movies because there's some things that won't totally make sense if you haven't seen the second guardians movie 
But even then, it's still a lot of fun. The other thing I will suggest till the end of time, even though both of these movies are absolutely fucking terrible, is watch A Christmas Wedding Planner on Netflix, followed by oh my God. Christmas for the View. Like, listen, there's a returning character. The first time I saw these movies, I believe it was 2018, and my friend and I watched Christmas Wedding Planner first. Like, we search out bad Christmas movies, right? So we watched Christmas Wedding Planner first, and it's about this girl who is planning her, like, best friend's, or maybe friend from high school's wedding, so maybe not best friend's, whatever. And she brings in this baker to teach her friend how to make gingerbread loaf, by the way, because gingerbread isn't a cookie. It's a comestible loaf. And his name is Charles. And the whole movie is stupid as crap, but it's it's just a funny in that it's bad, so it's funny Christmas movie sort of way. And then literally that same night, and I think it was suggested to us because the same guy was in it, but also maybe because they were both made in Canada, whatever. Netflix suggested Christmas with a View. And Christmas with a View begins with a cook-off show, sort of like a British bake-off sort of thing, but with that, but with like cooking, not just baking. And one of the contestants is Charles. And we've been drinking, like we we play a drinking game when we watch these bad Christmas movies. So we've been drinking a lot because the drinking game includes things like anytime there's like a Christmassy thing in the shot, you have to take a drink. So it's like constantly, et cetera, et cetera. But Charles came on the screen at the beginning of the second movie and we both were just like, we had to pause the movie because we were freaking the fuck out. Like, oh my God, it's Charles. How is he in that movie and also in this movie? So whenever we have friends around who haven't seen these two movies, we force them to watch them and they're both terrible. But I highly suggest if you like a bad Christmas movie that you watch those two back to back so that you can also have the Charles moments. It was a suffering, a huge suffering. (laughs) Well, on that note, as we close out the episode, we just want to give a shout out to our Heroes Tier patron, Tommy of the TKOK Podcast Network. Thank you so much for supporting us. Once again, I'm Tara, along with currently Becca and Jonathan, Seth had his internet drop out because he's somewhere in the midst of that big storm that's happening along the entire like Midwest and East coast. So thank you, Seth also for joining us. Sorry. uh, You had to drop out a little bit early for everyone else who's listening. Don't forget. You can always set us up at sagas and sass on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter or YouTube actually now, or email us at sagas and sass at gmail.com with any comments or thoughts you might have. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We will be back Wednesday, January 4th to continue our Red Rising saga coverage with part one of Morningstar, which is the third book in that series. So have a great night. Have a great rest of the month, holiday season, whatever you celebrate. Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.